So first mate, second rate first mate, John. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you were to do a quick perusal of the uh, various comment threads on our <laughs> social media posts, yes. you would find that one band more than any other is referenced in the comments. More than Toto. Mm-hmm. More than the Doobie Brothers. Yes. More than Steely Dan. Right. But the secret is it's all by the same guy that's making the same comment over and <laughs> over again. This is true. Okay. This is true. It what amounts to uh, possibly online stalking. Right. Um, we have been... There is no um, extradition for that, though. because uh, No, there isn't. <laughs> but... Today's guest has been dogged in his yes. determination to get us to do what we're going to do today, and we're going to dedicate an entire episode to the artist Maxis, right. which does have a very good story behind it. Um, but before we bring on today's guest, so mm-hmm. I, and we're not kidding, this might be 50, 100 comments, who knows, maybe more, um, all in a way to say, come on, do a Maxis episode, do a Maxis yeah. episode. I'm here to tell people, though, there is an easier way. Ooh. So you can either do what today's guest is and just you know follow us online and hope for the best, hope for the best, or you as a supporter of the podcast do have priority access to either appear on the podcast, suggest a topic, whatever. So um, if you are a supporter to the podcast currently, then hit us up with a direct message. Say, hey, I want to be on the podcast. Here's my topic. And you get right through. No 50 comments, no uh, authorities looking into the background of of what you're doing online. Easy peasy. And if you would like to be on the podcast but are not a supporter, go to the link in the show notes that says Anchors Away, support the podcast. (laughs) You will be taken to a link and it will say support this podcast. And then the rest is between you, your maker, and Spotify. All right, without further ado, let's bring on today's guest. We're going to do a deep dive into Maxis. Please welcome everyone, listener Yorn and his son, Michael. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, guys. Hello there. Hello there. So honored to be out. It's great to have you. Great to finally meet you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for badgering. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yes, it's great. Uh, you're liter- I mean, you are coming from us way across the pond. You're in Singapore today? I am in Singapore, yeah. I've been for the last wow. 26, 7 years. So. And Michael, where are you? Currently, I'm currently in Boston. Oh, all right. Still. Yes, so. In Boston, because yes. you have a uh, something in common with my co-host. You are a graduate, we, recent graduate of the Berkeley College of Music. Recent graduate as of a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Awesome. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. And despite your young age, you are a uh, Yacht Rock aficionado. Is that right? Uh, yes. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks in part to my to my dad. He is as persistent with his comments <laughs> as he is with his music taste. And uh, mm-hmm. that's all I really know. Um, I've been listening to one of some of the first albums I listened to when I was a kid was like, uh, when I first started playing drums, it's, you, know, you want to play drums? You better listen to this guy. And he puts on the first Toto album. And I kind of just, kind of just went from there really. And that's, that's the, that's my template ever since. Well, some parents just know how to raise their kids. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> speaking of that, uh, I feel like I'm getting ready to go to school here because I'm going to confess to you guys, before we start, you're going to have a, a job ahead of you. Because uh, I understand the lore of this album. I understand the importance of this album in the genre. I understand people's love for it. But it is not connected to me 
at all. I try to listen to this album and it just doesn't connect to me. So your job now is to somehow, through your analysis today, get me over that hump. And then I'm going to sit back and I'm going to listen. I got my pencil. I had my lunch money stolen on the way here. So I'm ready for school. (laughs) All right. Well, let's start with the man himself. So listen to Yorn. Tell us. For the average listener who's never heard of Maxis, because, you know, there's something of a what we call buried treasure, right? So give us a little background on what this band is, who the members were, and we'll go from there. Well, I mean, it's all it's all in the Toto family. Um, you know, uh, Jeff, Jay Gruska, uh, the, the singer and the songwriter, he writes all the songs on the album. He was in a band with Steve Lucaser, Mike Pocaro, and Carlos Vega, and... Uh, uh, David Page and Jeff Pocaro came to see them play live and um, uh, said, hey, this look at the guy is quite good. Um, so, but all of them are uh, touring musicians, studio musicians. Before they started Maxis, uh, they were touring with Beth Midler on her The Rose Tour. It, uh, Jay Gruska wasn't, but uh, the other members of the band. So they're all LA studio musicians. And, um, uh, you know, they, uh, they got together and uh, started this band, Maxis. Um, they recorded it on a small label on the A&M, but uh, that label went kaput. So they, had, to, they uh, uh, had this album, didn't know what to do with it. Uh, by the way, it was produced by Stuart Levine, so quite good. But uh, then they got a contract with Warner. And uh, they said, yeah, let's, you can make that again. So they had to re-record the whole thing almost uh, uh, to, to release it on Warner back in 81. And so you're on a Yacht Rock podcast. Run down the personnel for us, because these are household names to listeners of this podcast. Well, probably the most uh, uh, important one is, is uh, Mike Landau. He's probably the most known, well-known in the, um, in the podcast circles. There's uh, Robbie Buchanan, who uh, plays as a keyboard man extraordinaire and has played with so many on so many um, yard rock uh, albums. I think he's on uh, he's on uh, uh, Christopher Cross's album quite a lot. Um, then there's uh, the bass player Mark Leonard, who's not that well known, but he has. If you look him up, he has a, a, a quite a big. Uh, list of credits on all music or wherever you, you, you try and look. And then there's the drummer, Dwayne Perry, who, as I said, came off this tour with Bette Midler, recorded this album, and uh, then he got um, uh, taken by uh, Jeff Tull and was a touring drummer with Jeff Tull for more than 20 years. And then the most important guy is Jay Groska, who's sort of the David Page of the band. He plays piano and uh, is the lead vocal, but he also writes... All the songs. He is a co-writer on all the songs on on, on this album. So it's it's wow. um, uh, it's all connected uh, to to the LAC. And I would be remiss if we don't uh, bring in Bill Champlin and Tommy Funderburk on background vocals. Yeah, the additional, yeah, the addition. Paulina da Costa, uh, Michael O'Martin has produced it. We should mention him. And oh, yeah, we should. Additional synthesizers and percussion, and the background vocals are Champlin. Uh, Tommy Funderburg and a uh, woman named Jennifer Williams, who I don't know exactly who is, but uh, yeah. Well, John, let's pause there real quick. Okay. So, so far on paper, we've got a Yacht Rock project, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's get into the Sonics a little bit, because produced right. by one of your heroes, Michael O'Mardian. Right. But 
when I listen to this record, um, and part of it is uh, probably Jay's vocal, and I think probably the uh, outrageous range that Tommy Funderburk can bring to the backups. But when I listen to this record, this is a question that is going to kind of go to Michael, or he can elaborate on this. To me, this album, 1981, from a timeline standpoint, it's kind of stuck a little bit between maybe the the genesis of Yacht Rock and the, the Steely Dan hitting their, starting to hit their stride and get the jazzy R&B thing into what we know as Yacht Rock. And then later on, the oncoming change that is the big bombastic 80s. And this almost feels like an album that's stuck between Yacht Rock and Hair Rock of the 80s. So, uh, Michael, what is it about this record that appeals to you as a younger fella? I mean, uh, just it's a great little slice of history, especially when you consider the personnel involved and you sort of see where they are in that timeline, where they're where they where they came from and where they're about to go, especially guys like, you know, Michael Landau and uh, sonically it uh, it's 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 it rocks the boat ever so slightly. You've got some of the. You've got some of the more harder edged. Uh, we'll once we get into the the uh, once we discuss the songs later. Some of some of those songs definitely rock the boat, but in a good way, in my opinion. And uh, it just it's a it's just a fantastically written, produced, arranged album, and it's just a little. It's a great little slice of history for those who you know love the genre that like we do. It's it gives you the, it's that it's that hidden treasure where every single song is a great gem in its own little way be it like maybe it's an album deep cut or something that's you know has got the power of a single or a power of like a david foster type ballad and uh yeah it's just a fantastic little slice of history that's why i love it well let me ask the two berkeley guys because i think i've pinpointed a couple things um why maybe john this one is can't get onto your boat for whatever reason uh, you already mentioned i, a couple I didn't of say them. that it's just uh, okay. I, it doesn't appeal to my like emotionally i don't i don't deny that it belongs where it belongs yeah but it doesn't light your particular fire there you go yeah so like I, it's almost like this is Bizarro Toto, right? So Toto went on to fame and fortune, and I'll, be, you know, I'll tell many, you what. Before records. you go on, I had written a note that it's like if Airplay and Pages had a baby that grew up to be a rebellious teenager. That's what this would be. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, th- 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 a couple ways I think they differ from Toto is um, because Toto will go into the, they'll explore their prog side quite a bit, and this record does as well. Um, but Toto also had an ability. Um, to write um, hooky songs, pop songs, right? And I think when I listen to this record, I think what might be missing for you, John, is there's not this like huge recognizable hook. It almost airs too much on the side of sophistication in a good way, but maybe it's not as accessible to someone who just wants to, you know, turn on and hear some great tunes. The thing I think I identified, one thing you mentioned, the vocal, like he explores the high range, but not in a smooth way, the way like a David Pack or a Bobby Kent, uh, Kimball might, right? And last thing, and then I'm turning over to the Berkeley. That's where I hear the hair rock thing starting <laughs> to sneak in. It's a little like that. And then, yeah. But very fine a point on, I don't know if this is an engineering thing or a mixing thing or a producing thing, but the drums don't have that smooth polish. There's a, John, maybe you could comment on Michael, you're shaking your head. It doesn't have that like, ooh, I can, I can see the velvet, you know, type of thing. And maybe that's what's, I don't know. 
it sticks in my ear in a way that like a total record doesn't. Yeah, Michael, what do you think of Perry's playing stylistically on here as a yacht rock drummer? We know what he did later with Tall, right? Yeah, I, I mean, there's some there, there's some really smooth. Uh, like uh, I I like to point to the opening fill to keep a light on. But uh, yeah, I uh, pr- yeah, production-wise, I think that's what. Um, if you take a look at what people have said on the internet uh, over the years, they, that's the sort of the production kind of dates itself. It's, it is of its time. Uh, in my opinion, I that's what I love about it. It's that again that little slice of history right there. That transition period between the sort of the drier drums that we're familiar with of the 70s and the sort of the big bombastic you know, yeah the oncoming phil collins in the air tonight <laughs> exa- exactly exactly so that that influence coming down uh into that um it's that it's that it's right in between which m- may not appeal to everybody because it doesn't fit in one avenue and it doesn't fit in the other avenue it's right in between that's what's that to me that's the charm of this album and i know an avid fan who is very enthused by this record so let's go back to yorn here and let's start talking about some of the tracks really quickly um the ogs thought fondly of this album there's four songs rated and they are all essential yacht rock well one's essential yeah Uh, nobody's business business, and um the other three are your imagination, keep a light on, which we will come back to in the higher you rise. So Yorn, which song or track jumps out at you as, wow, this is the first song people should listen to, to explore their love of Max's. Well, I think, uh, uh, the higher you rise, the higher you rise, the harder you're going to fall. Don't be surprised that nobody cares at all. It's got a, bounce so um, it, mm-hmm. it's uh, uh, and it's it's got uh, uh, Landau tearing it up it's it's got Jay Gruska's fantastic singing and uh, so I, I I would go to the high rise but I mean the f- personal favorite is keep a light on because that is just a gorgeous ballad that's my particular favorite as well so it's a ballad with some yachtiness to it it's not quite like a toto ballad it's like it's got a little hippity hop john so yeah there's a groove underneath the chorus that's like the bass and like a palm muted guitar or something doubled there and it's done the, well let's listen to it you can hear that it's kind of on the offbeat not where you'd expect it Please keep alive. That is different in and of itself. That as soon as you get to the chorus, suddenly you get this little groove bounce underneath that you weren't really expecting. I really like that. Probably the smoothest track, uh, in my estimation. Well, I mean, I have a, the other ballad. Uh, um, part of me is even better. Yeah, part of you, right? Yeah, part of you. Just when I realize I'm part of. Very dramatic, very cinematic in style. Gorgeous piano, and I, I just love that. And it's got fantastic uh, string arrangements. Uh, that is a fantastic song. 
almost almost David David Foster like. Very and John is not a I don't know why he's not a fan. Well, he may be a fan of Thunderbird. Go back to Airplay and listen. Uh, but his, back, <laughs> his background vocals on that track are again, you know. Well, I don't know what he's drinking or what he had been drinking, but you know he goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's early here. I mean, they haven't hit 10 a.m. I think that's a problem. He hasn't been drinking. Well, I'll tell you what. I did that be- that beginning of Stranded by Airplay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that blows me away. Yeah, so I love that. Exactly. So, Michael, Michael, you mentioned a couple times you're hearing David Foster in here. Obviously, David's not on this no, record. No, no, but no. Uh, um, what do you hear that's that's reminiscent of David Foster? Uh, uh I sort of when I pinpoint uh, part of you and uh, try to get people uh, on the bo- on the boat on that one, so to speak, is uh, it's after the love is gone style. It's a very it's got very slick modulations. Like before you know it, oh, I'm in a new key. I'm in a new key again. It's that sort of really mm. hip uh songwriting which uh doesn't really jump out of you it's going oh look at me i'm so sophisticated it's it's it it's some it's somewhat akin to uh actually somewhat akin to something like uh uh think thinking of laura off of uh, another page yeah it goes from the key of b to the key of d yeah, yeah. d major instead of d minor right. and this uh, uh part of you goes right. from E flat major to C major, not C minor. So it's got it's it's that really it's it gives it just that little bit of a lift. And the and my favorite uh part of that song huh, is the uh <laughs> is that um uh that uh chord change back to the verse and all of a sudden oh we're back mm-hmm. home again. And right. it's it, it just right. exactly like exactly like after the love is gone. It's it's got that sort of feeling for me, and that's how I sort of frame it for others who uh, who love that too. And I go, hey, well, check this one out. This is this is just as smooth. Well, listener Yorn and I'll add listener Hal, both of whom are still paying off these uh, expensive Berkeley uh, bills. You can see it all was worth it, right? Yeah, <laughs> so we can do a podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it was all for Yorn. Uh, let's talk about the essential to nobody's business. That was my entry into the Maxis catalog. And when I heard that, I'm like, well, yeah, absolutely. This is Yacht Rock. There's that, you know, bouncy, bouncy, bouncy and really good. Yeah, it's like a modified doobie bounce on the chorus. It's kind of, it's there in a little bit. It's like halfway there. It's a, it's the proto-hybrid of an Omardian bounce and a doobie bounce. It's um, it's Michael Omardian's yeah. version of a doobie bounce. That's how yeah. I take a look at it, at least. With a splash of Robbie Buchanan thrown in. Of course, of course. 94.5. JD scored ninety eight. Well, there you go. Essential, and it you know very essential. As funny aside, it's co-written with Lisa Del Bello, whose first album was produced by David Foster, and had all the Total Guys. Uh, oh my god! She, uh, they all the Total Guys played on that album. Miss Sun from uh, that uh, compilation that Total made XX. There's a, a version of Miss Sun sung by uh, Lisa Del Bello, and I believe that's taken from that session. It didn't end up uh, on the record, but uh, it's it's taken from that session. 
and later ending up on Boss Skaggs' uh, discography right there, yeah. Well, yeah, had a big hit with it. There's no questioning the roots of this record, that's for sure, in, in Yacht Rock. Um, you mentioned uh, Michael Landau. I wanted to go back to that because um, maybe you could pull up a, uh, a reference for the listeners, a few uh, of your favorite solos. There's one quick thing I kept noticing, and this is, again, a layperson. I didn't go to Berkeley. I barely even went to college. But um, <laughs> later on in his career, I'm always if I'm just hearing a song, I sometimes mistake his playing for, I think it's Steve Lukather. On this record, back in 1981, I swear he's borrowing from the bag of tricks of Jay Graydon here and there. I don't know if you guys hear any of that. There's the, the, the solo on The Higher You Rise. Uh, Landon tears a hole in the universe, I've written. <laughs> <laughs> and I've written, yeah. I've written a wire choir question mark. But I mean, if you really want the wire choir, it's on. Um, it's on. Uh, where is it? They danced. They danced. Yeah, that is wire choir, I believe. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's wire choir exclamation mark instead of wire choir question mark. That that's <laughs> in, in my notes. In my notes, that's that I put wire choir on that one. That's straight out of Jay Graydon's book. I put a period. I said nice wire choir moments. Period. So we all differ on that one. I had a semicolon. <laughs> oh. Well, that was due to that surgery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So my semicolon then finished with, I also hear, this is going to be hard for a non-guitar player to explain. Jay Graydon's style has like these little like bendy, almost like hammer on. You know what I'm talking about, Michael? Yeah, I, I hear you. that yeah. in some of Landau's in this record. Yeah. Okay. I'll take credit for that. I introduced him to, to Graydon and I said to him, what is that he does where he, he goes so high? Uh, and I think you guys put it uh, in one of your podcasts. He puts the, you know, he puts the stank on all this uh, uh, gooey, donutty yard rock. And he comes in and does a solo, and then stank comes in all of a sudden. And these, <laughs> Michael explained to me, you know, he's pinching the harmonics, pinch harmonics, right, Michael? Yep, 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 exactly. Yep. Uh, uh, very uh, tell to, if you want to listen to go back to nothing you could do about it. There's some pinch harmonics there. It's very, it's just a big part of his uh, of his sound. Not not too much. Uh, Michael Landau doesn't really do to do it too much here. But uh, arranging wise, uh, like the, the all the different guitar parts on they danced is you know very out of the Jay Graydon book. The sort of solo lines and having the accompaniment come in with a couple of heart with harmony lines on the guitar that's straight out of the jay graden book right there yeah okay so I, i'm not a late person john i here i'll, I'll try to explain it for you yes. it's also this that you get in the middle of a, a jay graden line yeah it's not just the pinch it's the way he will like almost he'll do those big leaps and we just we've talked to mark jordan now twice about how he constructed some of the solos on Blue Desert, where he had Mark Jordan behind him holding certain notes down on the fretboard while Jay reached around and played around it so that he could reach intervals 
that you could not reach otherwise. And so we hear some of those dives where he'll dive below and then bend up to the target note. It's just bizarre what he does. Dare I say there, uh, uh, of the time period already, we can hear some of the Eddie Van Halen influence as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's in there. Yeah, absolutely. That technique, I think, is there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, when they dance, there's some tapping involved. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, if you want to listen to some of the, there's some big, like, Tremolo dies on what you give. It kind of sounds like a lion's roar, I guess. It's it's got that. It, yeah, and Eddie does yeah, that same straight out, thing. Straight yep. out of the Eddie Van Halen yep. uh, book of tricks, right there as well. I noticed uh, before we, you know, in my prep, I had uh, I went to pull up the Maxis album, and the front end of this record, so maybe side one, was all already in my Yacht Rock playlist, and the second half was not. And in listening to it, I wonder if the second side explores more of the proggy side than the first side. What do you think, Yorn? Oh, definitely. As I was going through the notes, I, I noticed the same. All the uh, the uh, songs that are listed or have been uh, uh, the goats have, or the OGs have gone through are on the on the first side, and the 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 second side side B or the the ones after um, uh, that starts with they dance is so much more froggy and sometimes jazzy. I mean the the ending to uh, um, uh, uh, where were you goes into jazz fusion. Uh, as we often say on this podcast, put a pin in that. So don't play that yet, John, <laughs> um, because that's going to be a fitting way to end our conversation. But the ending to the prior song is, I think shows how clever and sophisticated this band was. So don't uh, try to stop me now has this uh, guitar solo where Mr. Landau tears another hole in the universe. And then it goes to kind of in this, just this groove. Yeah. Um, which is bass drums a little bit. It has an outro yep. that, uh, yeah. As- and then you hear, okay, they're coming back to the chorus. You're like, okay, they'll probably do another chorus and vamp out. And then you get this. So, John, hit it. Oh, we're done. Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. You think it's uh, going back to the chorus, but it doesn't. That's right. Yeah, exactly. The tape was probably about to run out, and the (laughs) the engineer's like, cut, cut, cut. (laughs) Uh, What other highlights? There's Your Imagination, co-written by uh, Groska and Robbie, but that's, as I've written here, Mark Leonard's track. He really does some funky Mm -hmm. bass uh, and some uh, cool bass work on on that. Some slapping and popping right there, yeah. yeah and and then there's Landau's rhythm guitar. That's also very cool. And yeah. you can clearly hear Billy Bill Champlin on on the background vocals. It's 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 a cool song. Eighty point two five. What else uh, you got, Michael, on your uh, list of highlights? Uh, we get them all. We've almost talked about every song. I know we we didn't talk about uh, what you give. You're planning something bad 
I mean, that's got some serious total brass in the intro. Robbie gets a chance there. Yeah, yeah, the, definitely, definitely. I I mentioned uh, in my notes, I've got uh, some of the some of the great key sounds, especially in in the in the uh, the intros and the verses. You can hear some there. You can hear some great panning, some of the sounds going from the right to the left, and there's some great production work in there. Yeah, that's a very keyboard driven song, especially for the uh, in in the beginning there and the courses uh especially like the it doesn't sound um the thing about landau's tone on this whole album has got this there i i don't know what it is for the life of me um it's got this great chorus sound to it it's it sounds like a double it could be a double it could be a chorus pedal i'm not sure um i'll p- gladly petition if you know landau's uh out there listening to <laughs> to give us a note on that one but you've you've got that uh like it's got this great grindy sort of like chorus uh tone on top of that which is very apparent throughout the whole album but especially on uh what you give that one rocks the boat My guess is possibly the like the Eventide harmonizer after the fact in the mix. That's, yeah, that's probably it. Like the nine ten, the H nine ten, or something like that. Considering the era, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's only one way to settle this, gentlemen, and that is Michael and Michael yeah. Omardian come on the podcast, Please. tell us how you did it, and um, we will be forever grateful. Um, all right, before we uh, wrap up with the way the album wraps up. Um, because I want everyone to hear that. This is a great ending to it a is. record. But um, so would either of you, um, I'm wondering if this is one of those albums that because of its sophistication and because of its lack of obvious uh, accessible hooks, not that there aren't, you know, great songs, just it's not, you would never call this sing song or anything where you're singing tra-la-la along with it, right? Um, do you Did you find that this was an acquired taste in, Maybe on the tenth spin, twelfth spin, thirtieth spin, there's more to appreciate the 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 deeper you dive. I can tell you the story. I got the CD from Japan, um, uh, and um, I got to the went to the shop, CD shop, got it, uh, went to the car, stuck it in there, and uh, started playing it. And I was in love with it from the first note. Wow, where has this been all my life? Because I only got to it. You know, when it was uh, re-released in Japan in 2004 or five, I never got to it in, back in 81. So when I started into the CD player in the car and started playing it, on my, playing it on my way home, I said, why? What the hell is this? This is so good. What has this been all my life? <laughs> why did I miss this back in 81? This album has stuck with me ever since. And I take it out, I don't know, maybe once a quarter or something like that. And every time I listen to it, I, I, I think I find something new or something I missed. You, you were talking to Steve Pokao, and he says, you know, the transition from chorus, from verse to chorus, uh, is very important in songs. And they do it, I think, to perfection in all the songs. They, they are showing off their, their uh, superior, superiority uh, as, as LA studio musicians. They can just do anything that you put in front of them. Yeah, no, I can I can attest to that. Yeah, I I think uh, this may have been my introduction to Michael Landau. Actually, hmm. uh, come come to think of it, like this was the uh, which is uh, I guess kind of fitting considering how I was introduced to Toto 
uh, as a as a up and coming uh, musician, and then sort of having this band sort of you know adjacent to that. And oh, who's who's this Mike Landau fella? And uh, I guess I perhaps by the second listen, I mean the higher you rise just kind of sticks out at you immediately. It's like oh wow, this is a great tune. Where has this been all my life? But I, I think by the second spin and listening through the whole album, it's all very long albums. So it doesn't, it, it, yeah. it doesn't, you don't have yeah. to, you know, dedicate a lot of time to it. But yeah, 35 minutes. Yeah, 35 minutes. It's not that long at all. And uh, once you, once you get around to listening to it, um, it's, you, you're, you'd be pleasantly surprised as to how sophisticated it is. And then for, the liner note geeks out there you head in and you go oh wow and it's got these people on it no like no wonder because we're such big fans of all of these musicians and the work that they've done and it's just no wonder you like it because it's all of these guys no it's you know no wonder are there other people like you at berkeley that like this stuff are you the loner uh let's just say that I am better friends with my professors than I am with. <laughs> uh, yeah, I spoke. Gotcha. I I I, uh, I spoke to a great professor. Uh, we were that makes your grade go up, by the way. I, I think it does. Um, where I think I I started. We were going through some Michael Jackson tunes, I think, and uh, like Human Nature, and I was talking about. Uh, Steve Picaro's involvement in that and how yeah, that record is essentially a Toto record with Michael Jackson singing lead vocals. And then I started mentioning, I started mentioning- Your friends are like, when does Pitbull come in and do the rap, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And my, my professor's going, how the hell do you know Steve Picaro? How the hell do you know Jay Graydon? What, I haven't heard these names in years. How do you know these people? Oh my gosh. Yeah, and it's, and there, there you go. But that's my, my professors are like, hey, this guy knows, kind of knows what he's talking about. And everybody else is like, who? Yeah. Well, like I said, some parents just know how, how to raise their kids. So real quickly, t tell everyone about uh, the video that your dad sent us. And it's you playing a drum line that Jeff Picaro once played live. What was that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, that is a tune by uh, Scotty Page called Holiday. It's on a... Um, uh, it's i believe it's on youtube somewhere it's a film that he put together uh in the mid to late 80s you can tell by the the there's way too many mullets on there there's way too many mullets on this video this <laughs> including <laughs> jeff's and you, including jeff's including jeff's uh and uh scotty pages in particular is a that's a fantastic mullet but uh i digress uh and that was a tune that uh, uh marty was uh because uh, scotty page was touring with super tramp and marty was touring with super tramp at the time as well and I believe Scotty Page goes, I need a time. I need some time off the tour. I'm putting together this video. Mar and Marty remembered it because it's, oh yeah, I remember this. He, he put a lot of time into putting together this, uh, this tape and it's got, uh, Jeff on drums. And it's got Luke on guitar as well. And that was a particular tune. It's got, it's real like swampy, uh, almost like a new Orleans style thing. And, and like he, we were, I was doing it in his, uh, LA studio ensemble which is uh, something akin to that's a great class, by the way, just not, not, not the, the class itself, which is great, but just to be able to be in that pressure cooker environment, just like these guys did, like all of these people that we've been talking about. So you're playing in this video, which we'll post on uh, in the show notes, you are playing what note for note, what Jeff played ah, close to my, it, close to it, close to it. I can never be at that you know, Jeff is a powerhouse in 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 and of itself, but yeah, that's it's pretty close. I think. All right. Well, we'll we'll post it, and people could judge for themselves. And, <laughs> yeah, thank you uh, very much. 
Speaking of powerhouses, so we're going to wrap up uh, the way that uh, Max has wrapped up their record, which talk about powerhouse of Prague. We will listen to the last however many seconds, John, you want to play of Where Were You? And check out how this tune is. And that's hey. the record. Yeah. So what a way to go. Oh yeah. Well, that ending is, is perfect. That ending is perfect. Plus, I don't know what it is they put at the end. They put sort of a party of uh, crazy people. <laughs> I don't know what that. But yeah, yeah. You hear some mumbling yeah. going yeah. on afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah very, 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 very proggy, very Pink Floyd of them to do, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Adding sound yeah. effects, right? That's a a little uh, wink to Pink Floyd, I guess. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, guys. I'm, I'm glad glad you're out there. You're a listener and um, a faithful commenter. All kidding aside, we do appreciate the comments. Um, you do get one shot at this, by the way. So one stalking gets you on, and then after that, you know, we'll see. Unless you, <laughs> you can bring Michael on. I want to listen to Mike, not you two, Tossers. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. He saved your tournament. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, once again, there are two ways to get onto this uh, podcast. And, of course, our preferred method is go to uh, the Acres Away link at the bottom of the show notes here. Click on the link. Hopefully, it's working. There were some technical if- issues. And then when you see support the podcast, you know what to do. We automatically will get your name. And uh, you will be able to, if you wish, to submit an idea to either have us cover or for you to come onto the podcast to discuss it. All of you current current supporters uh you are eligible you are getting priority access that's what that's for mm. Mm. and you get to be internationally known <laughs> yes well he was uh in singapore today and for by way of and his son was in boston yep and, and we were in detroit and i think they're from denmark so wow yeah yeah very good all right well should we head on to the lightning round hit it all right well, let's see. Uh, I'm going to keep mine simple. My found at sea. Um, because if you're asking me, I think, and I've already said this on the, the episode here, I thought that the smoothest track on this new Maxis record was uh, Keep a Light On. So that's what I found at sea. Was it there in my hand? I don't know what's left to say. Well, I can't understand. Yeah, um, it kind of leads me into my uh, found it see because I have a an overarching question. Um, I suppose it's about the rules of yacht rock, but more about what your interpretation is of the rules of yacht rock. <laughs> right. Are you sure you want to do this? Well, we talked a lot on this album about a couple of the ballads. And that they have some unique things in them that maybe make them seaworthy. So the question is, ballads on the boat, yes or no? And if so, what do you think is a requirement to get a ballad on the boat as opposed to, you know, like an air supply thing that we know does not? Uh, I think yes, because Baby Come to Me, I think, is a ballad, and that is certified. And so my requisite... uh, 
element. It can't be like a soft bell, uh, ballad throughout. So when it goes into a groove like Baby Come to Me does, or um, what's the one off uh, Dude that I... Uh, just once or let's go. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. once. Or um, how do you keep the music playing yep. to the Patty Bell, James Ingram joint? Right. So that's like a battle throughout. And then it goes into that Yachty place. So I think if you have a groove, even if it's a slow groove, then I would allow it on a boat. But what do I know? I think exactly the same thing, because that's what uh, you just mentioned. Keep a light on. That's what makes that one to me when it gets to that chorus and we get that sort of syncopated bass groove underneath. That means it's not just a swoony ballad. There's something else happening. And makes a boat worthy for me. Yep. For me too. Okay. Well, then uh, that leads me to a uh, buried treasure. And my buried treasure then is a ballad that I believe is seaworthy. I've not looked up to see that uh, whether this has or has not been certified, but uh, written by Bill Champlin, that's a darn good place to start. It's groovy. It's got some cool hits. It's got syncopation. It's got horns. Uh, probably an early version of Jerry Hay and the Boys, because this is J.P. Morgan again with Here is Where Your Love Belongs. That's what a ballad that grooves, I think, needs to feel like. Yes. I, well, I agree. And you know how I love me some J.P. Morgan. Yeah. Um, I do not see that certified on the interwebs. Okay. But I'm there is that sure companion Google Doc. A fairly high rating, I would imagine. Yes, I believe it would. I believe it would. All right. What's your buried treasure? Well, we're talking about Maxis, which is a buried treasure. Would you not agree with that, at least? Yes. I am going to switch gears to another buried treasure that actually we've covered four times at least in the lightning round, and that's David Roberts. Oh, yeah. There's there's some similarity there. That's an Omardian production too, isn't it? I believe it is. And this is how good the Spotify algo uh, is because I went through the Maxis record and I let it play whatever. Actually, the first song was uh, Did You Mean That by Page 99. So that was probably because I've been playing it lately. But Mm, that works. the second song was um, this tune, which I think has emerged as my favorite off the David Roberts album. And I just wanted to point out to you, we should have done a focus on this album because we've already submitted in this uh, lightning round four other songs off that same album. I'm going to add a fifth. We're halfway okay. there. We might as well just cover the whole <laughs> album. This is currently my favorite. It's called Too Good to Last. Too Good to Last. Well, I do know that one of our regular listeners for a long time was bugging us to do just that. Uh, they, yep. they've, they've relented over time. I think they tried to reach out and get David Roberts to join us. So that maybe that'll still happen. But yeah, I would be into doing that album top to bottom. Why not? Oh, for sure. For sure. So good. All right. Well, that was from 1982, All Dressed Up. Anyways. Okay. So uh, is it beef? Yeah. It is. Yep. All right. Off the map. Uh, again, I just let the algo do its thing, and for some reason, this tune popped up from 2008, Oli Borud. Um This one's called One More Try. All of a sudden, you were gone. All of a sudden, 
since you kept your distance I got to find a way I have to let you know That I love you and I That was the very first tune I got to know of his Really? <laughs> yeah, that was the first one I had ever heard and had starred and yeah, that was that was the my entrance into Ole. It's among the yachtier of his catalog too. Yeah. So, and but, that's probably what I was doing at the time, looking for yachty tracks. Yeah. You know. Yep. Yeah. Well, so I, my hat's off to Elgo uh, today. Usually, okay. he's not a fan, but Spotify did its thing. All right. Well, you got to pay it a commission for doing half of your work. <laughs> you know? Trust me, I pay, I pay it quite dearly. <laughs> All right. Well, off the map then for me, as we notated or noted during the discussion of Maxis. Uh, Guitarist extraordinaire, Michael Landau, went on to do many things. One of uh, my favorite albums that he played on is uh, Street Talk by Steve Perry. And that was 1984, and Landau was essentially the guitarist on the entirety of that record. Well, they've re-released that album in an expanded edition, like everything else on Spotify, it seems like. And there was an extra bonus track that was clearly a demo. It was not done. I don't even know that Landau played on it. But um, it, So this is from the same album that had Foolish Heart on it, right? Mm-hmm. Which was written by Randy Goodrum. Which I, I'd call that one an ogre. We're, we can come back to that. But that's an ogre for me. Anyway. Not, not me, not me. All right. Well, that this was uh, written by Randy Goodrum as well. Co-written with Steve Perry. And this would have been a demo. It's now included as a bonus cut. And it's called If Only For A Moment. That we could fall again If only for the moment, girl But it's not easy to pretend I see your eyes I like it, and uh, I just immersed myself in that uh, whole entire thing. There's a lot of stuff that maybe should have remained in the vault, but there's some really good stuff that actually like, um, foolish heart starts to flirt with the lot, the yacht a little bit. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but we could argue about that another day. Okay. We can make that an episode. Ooh. <laughs> Arguing over <laughs> foolish heart. <laughs> no, the entire record track by track. Oh yeah. Oh, but yeah. 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 I no. love that record though. Yeah. Um, yacht or yacht. Right. Well, do you know that there is a, an additional perk to, um, being a supporter and then coming on the podcast oh, as a I guest. Oh, I do. I do. You, you get to you get to sign get, off, right? You you get to do the thing. Oh, uh, what thing? Yorn, if you are indeed a faithful listener, go ahead and get us out of here. Ahoy, Poloy! Ahoy, Poloy!